Hey everyone, I hope you're all doing well during this very strange and scary time. As you may have noticed, Single-Minded Conversations hasn't updated in a while. I've been really happy with the episodes I put out, but I simply got caught up in too many other projects, including the book I'm finishing up, my newsletter, and a bunch of freelancing. I do love the format of simply talking to a smart person for an extended period of time, and I'm grateful I was able to have so many fascinating conversations with interesting guests last year. In the future, I might release some more episodes, though I don't have any concrete plans as of yet. In the meantime, though, I wanted to alert you to a new podcast I've launched with my friend Katie Herzog called Blocked and Reported. The fourth episode just went up today, Monday, April 13th, and if you simply search Blocked and Reported on your podcast app of choice, you'll find it there. Or you can just click the link in this episode's show notes. On paper, the podcast is mostly about the internet in all its weird, frequently infuriating glory. But Katie and I never have a shortage of things to talk about, so the subjects are likely to range quite widely. I'll leave you with the final segment from a most recent episode, in which we discuss a rather unusual new form of anti-racist activism that has garnered some headlines, as well as a book deal for its two creators. I promise you that some of the stranger-sounding jokes and references will make sense if you listen to the episode in its entirety. I really hope you check the podcast out, because if you liked Single-Minded Conversations, I bet you'll like Blocked and Reported. And given how competitive the podcast scene is right now, every downloaded subscription counts a lot more than you might think. Thank you so much for listening to Single-Minded Conversations, and remember that you can reach out to me at any time at jesse.r.single at gmail.com. Please stay safe and healthy, and I hope you enjoy the following clip from Blocked and Reported. Uh, well, so let's move on to um, some uh, interesting media news, right? A big congratulations to uh, Syra Rao. Um, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing her name, but Syra Rao is a, what is her job actually? Okay, so she's an anti-racist trainer who I think she lives in like the Denver area or something like that. Um, she's of Indian descent and she has become famous on Twitter for essentially using her platform to drag white women. Um, so I'm going to read a couple of her of her recent tweets. Th these are all within like the last month or so. I had hundreds, thousands to search through. I mean, she this woman tweets about... I'm so sorry you had to do that, by the way. Yeah, I should get hazard pay for uh, having to search Cyber Rouse Twitter. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read a few of these. These are all recent. And this is... These were just like the first ones that came up. These are not sort of the best of Cyber Rouse. Okay, here's one from February 11th. My daughter and I just did some research on movies we could see this weekend. Sonic the Hedgehog, Doolittle, Gretel and Hansel, Little Women. White girls, white boys, white women, white wind. <laughs> Wonder why kids of color feel erased, invisible, and how do they and how they grow up to feel the same? I mean, this one's Wait, amazing just Sonic because the Hedgehog? I know. I know. Like he's it's like blue. He's, he's blue. blue. He's blue. He's blue. So she's like a real life Tatiana McGrath, who is a parody um, created by this guy Andrew Doyle in the UK, who who is just like like the absolute parody of like the wokest social media justice warrior. Okay, so here's here's one that I really like. Carol Baskin is a white woman. Carol Baskin from the yeah. From the Tiger so show. Carol Baskin is uh, a she's a woman who runs like a tiger rescue center um, somewhere on the East Coast, and she's featured in this like fantastic wild new documentary on Netflix called Tiger King. And the woman is accused of like among other crimes killing her husband and feeding him to a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but, but to Sarah Rao, like the important thing here isn't that she like potentially killed her husband. It's that she's a white woman. Katie, Katie, do you know who else was a white woman? Who? Hitler. <laughs>
<laughs> I thought you were going to say Ava Braun there, but you are right. Okay. Here's one from March 11th. So like heart of the pandemic. The world is in chaos, but one thing remains steady. White women's racism. Here's one from March 3rd. America hates folks who are black, brown, poor, disabled, LGBTQ, Muslim youth. Anyone who is not rich, white, and male, America hates you. Here's one from March 8th. White liberals and moderates are going to kill us again, same as it ever was. And so she's one of these people. Oh, here's here's actually, here's a great one. Who needs... <laughs> Who needs enemies when you have white women friends? So she's one of these people who like, instead of like focusing her ire on, you know, like conservatives or actual racists or people who like, I don't know, maybe like voted for Donald Trump. She like mostly focuses her anger on like liberal white women. And so she has created this, uh, this I guess it's a nonprofit called Race to Dinner with a, a woman named Regina Jackson. And what they do is, they they have somehow convinced white women to pay them $2,500 to go to their home and yell at them about how racist they are. It's about time, Katie. It's about time. Right, right. So so this is a great opportunity. If any of you want to get educated by Sarah Rao, you can just pay her $2,500 and like over, I don't know, like pasta, she'll come to your house and like tell you how fucking horrible you are. And people really do this. The Guardian uh, wrote an article recently about race to dinner, about their thing. Um, and they interviewed these, they interviewed these women who are mostly like upper middle class, you know, liberal white women, probably Hillary Clinton voters and Elizabeth Warren voters about why they, you know, why they wanted to engage in this. And and, and here's a quote from the Guardian piece um, about like during this during this dinner, they this this one woman was talking about what like like her own racism, racism, her own crimes. And a quote from the Guardian piece is that this woman admits she recently did nothing when someone patronizingly commended her for adopting two black children as though she had saved them. So it's stuff like that, these like microaggressions that these women are are apparently engaging in and they're so right. like chagrined over it and so guilty over it that they're willing to like pay these women to um to come re-educate them and maybe uh, leave them of their original sin of being born so, white women. So, so to be clear, like the kinds of women this is targeting we're not talking about like wobbly trump voters or, or people looking to leave like right-wing evangelical churches these are people who none of this means they're they're not you know implicitly biased or whatever, but these are these are liberal voters who are sort of committed to anti-racism that's who is paying twenty five hundred dollars to have a dinner where they're sort of have this visceral confrontation with their racism um via two women of color right it's people who feel guilty because of people like Sarah, Sarah Rao. I mean, she's really created this sort of um, excellent grift for herself. And I, I don't like the word grifter in part because I, I uh, people call me a grifter all the time and I'm like, where's my fucking money? But she does seem like a grifter. She has convinced these people to pay her tons of money. And also not only that, she's wealthy. Her husband is like an investment banker or something like that. She ran for Congress. Um, I don't know if she has a day job outside of educating these, re-educating these white women, but the woman is by like most metrics other than the color of her skin, um, she's fucking privileged. That's what's so interesting about I mean, I, I when I Wikipedia her, I think it says um University of Virginia and NYU Law School, both of which are sort of top tier institutions. And well it's just interesting because like the the kinds of women who are inviting her to dinner also went to places like NYU and Virginia. They're sort of the Guardian article mentions these are like nice homes the dinners are taking place in and it's like this weird It's a circle jerk. I it's mean, an it, anti-racist it, circle. Yeah, it's a circle jerk. 
But you know what? It's it's also a weird kind of tokenism because it's not like it's not like the traditional like there's a classic Seinfeld where uh, George wants to prove to everyone he has a black friend. He like takes a photo with this black guy he he barely knows. This is like that, except look at my person of color yelling at me about how racist I am. That's how they sort of demonstrate that they're they're sincere in their anti-racism efforts. And I guess like I don't want to. I don't want to drag any white person for not, you know, sitting with the possibility they're implicitly biased or that they have unearned privilege because I'm pretty orthodox liberal on a lot of that stuff. But just that question of what you're going to do with your privilege and the, and the best way to actually make the world a better place. I mean, wh- what do you think is the, the best case? Let's try to be sympathetic here. There was one instance in the in the Guardian article where I think after one of these dinners, a woman went and like volunteered or did, did something vaguely good but but do you think that's the norm i feel like people just get sucked into more and more self-evaluation and self-flagellation no i mean this it strikes me as the whole thing kind of very catholic you know you sort of buy your indulgences and then you're you're not one of the bad ones um yeah i mean i can think of uh about a billion better ways to spend your money than giving it to Sarah Rao. um (laughs) like if if you could literally twenty five hundred dollars is like how much do you think one school lunch for like a low income kid costs? Oh my fucking god! I mean, like five bucks. Yeah, it's yeah, like- yeah. Like go to if you like it. Like I commend people who want to confront their own sort of and in, in, you know implicit bias, if if we want to call it that. But come on, like spend your money on a good fucking cause, and this is not a good cause. And and I mean the reason we're talking about this, I don't know if I mentioned this at the top. So she just Sarah Rao just got a book deal um, with penguin random house so this was so so this is sort of the other maddening thing about this is that this woman who is who is speaking for basically nobody um you know has is now like is going to be publishing a like a probably the you know the the next like robin d'angelo hit about what's wrong with white women um yeah she's co-authoring it with uh regina jackson right right yeah yeah well and no robin d'angelo uh and again we'll um we're going to be in the habit of like, if we mention a name, listeners might not know, we'll always put a link in the show notes. You can always check there to explain. But Robin D'Angelo um, wrote a book about sort of how white people need to confront their their whiteness, basically. And she's the most popular, I think, anti-racism educator in the country right now. And what's so interesting is like, she's a white lady and Syra Rao is from sort of these upper middle class institutions. So when liberal white women confront their racism or want to, it seems like they like they go to the sort of person who is like them and similar to them, who they who they will be comfortable around. This isn't, you know, learning more about the the worst schools in your district or your neighborhood and how to help them. This isn't about actually engaging with people suffering from poverty or structural oppression. It's very very. You can sit at home and comfortably read about this, or even have a woman come to you to yell at you about it. It's such like you said. It's very um. It's very religious and it, it's – I just it, – it upsets me because it seems like such a massive distraction and it seems so unlikely to ever lead to any sort of lasting societal progress. Yeah. I cannot see how this is going to benefit anybody except for Syra Rao and Regina Jackson. Um, yeah, and, and I think Syra Rao is the – is you know, we know who she is because of her insane Twitter presence. Um, if she didn't have this – you know, if she didn't – 
seemingly purposefully sort of lean into this kind of trollish Tatiana McGrath behavior. Nobody would know who the fuck she was. Um, you know, so we're also, I guess, part of the problem by like giving a shit and giving her any attention. But this whole thing just seems so insane. Like, come on. Like there are there race racism clearly exists in the world and giving to Cyra out twenty five hundred dollars is not going to going to solve that. That's it. You could literally take that twenty five hundred dollars and just go to the the poorest zip code in your state and dump that money in a park and you would literally do more good than sitting in on one of these trainings. You could donate to Blocked and Reported and it would literally do more good than... uh, That would be the best (laughs) way to end racism in America is to donate. We'll include our Venmos in the show notes. We have... This show is hosted by a a, a Jew with allergies and a (laughs) non-binary lesbian. Oh, man. Um... I guess, okay, you've written a little bit about this, but there is this thing where, like, so I, I, I'm i a white guy, as you may be aware. Uh, are you, though? You know, are, are we t- <laughs> am I really? <laughs> what are the racial boundaries of Judaism yeah. and caucasity? Yeah. Um, there's obviously the performative, like, <clears throat> Sarah John, oh, white, white guys are the worst, blah, blah, blah. That stuff doesn't bother me. It does seem like white women are singled out in a different way. And I yeah. think you've written a little bit about this. Like they're all lumped together, even though they're totally different. And do you think part of this is just like women are socialized to be nicer and more receptive to criticism, whereas men are socialized? Like if someone calls me a name, my reaction is not, oh, what if they're right? It's more like, fuck you. I don't know. I mean, it could be that. I think there's also something about women being worse to each other uh, than they are to men. I mean... Yeah, you guys are vicious. Yeah, women can be super vicious. Um, And so, like, when you refer to that I've written about this, so I've written about the narrative after the Trump election that white women, 52% of white women who voted, voted for Donald Trump. I guess that was the statistic. The only explanation for why these white women would have voted for Donald Trump was, like, because they're sexist, because they're racist. Other than the fact that like, well, for a lot of people, for most Americans, actually, you vote on party lines. And, you know, there's issues like abortion, which, you know, I think it's ridiculous that this is, you know, one of the most divisive issues in America, but it is. And a lot of women are anti-abortion and they're even they're going to vote for Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton because of that one issue even if Donald Trump is a human abortion has you know I don't know how many fucking abortions he's probably paid for obviously like it's not coherent but if the idea is to like get pro-life you know judges on the Supreme Court this is how they're going to vote you know it's just it's just like way more complex than just like white woman bad white woman holding up white supremacy i think i mean i, I feel don't know. i feel like donald trump has has both been responsible for abortions directly and that some of his press conferences could cause spontaneous abortions <laughs> well that would be one upside that's why they should start they should start airing him on KOW so we can um, get some free abortions going on. but i think but i think you're raising an important point which is um <clears throat> When you make big stereotypical claims about huge heterogeneous groups, white people, black people, Asians, whatever, one problem with that is that they're often immoral. So if you if you treat black people as like criminals, that's obviously immoral because you're it's unfair to treat individuals in that way. The other problem is that it's stupid. It leads you to faulty conclusions. So when people talk about you know, black culture as if it's a monolithic thing leading to black crime, that's ridiculous. Because if you ask anyone who actually studies crime, it's much more complicated than that. It has to do with poverty. It has to do with like the fact that tiny groups of kids can can cause gang warfare in a neighborhood, even when 99% of people are law-abiding. 
there's a similar thing going on here. And I think this is where people get confused because I don't, I'm not deeply viscerally offended by people making dumb sweeping statements about white people. Although, you know, you shouldn't be surprised when people then say they're going to vote for Trump because they're not as woke as you. But it is stupid if you want to explain why white people are voting for Trump to attribute it to their whiteness. Because for any given white person, if you control for their education level, right off the bat, you will see a huge divide with college going white voters much more likely to vote for the Democrat, non-college voters much more likely the Republican. Um, and if you don't acknowledge that complexity, if you treat people as big, undifferentiated groups, you will just get basic shit wrong over and over and over, even setting aside the moral issues with, with racism. Oh, totally. And, you know, there's this idea that somebody like Sarah Sarah Rao can't be racist because she's a person of color and only white people can be racist because only white people have power. And to me, that like that shows one of the faults of this sort of current iteration of, of intersectional thinking, because intersectional apparently doesn't include class. You know, you have right. somebody who Sarah Rao ran for Congress. Her husband is a wealthy investment banker or something like that. She just got a book deal from fucking Penguin Random House. And we're arguing that she doesn't have power. Yeah, it makes no sense. It makes no it, sense. And it, it's also just I mean, that I understand like, uh, in the United States, anti-white racism is not a major problem. And anyone who focuses on that, I think, you know, probably has an agenda very different from mine. But to just sort of flatly state there is no such thing as racism except directed at people of color, it's like saying, you know, because poison ivy is a lot less toxic than um, arsenic. Poison ivy isn't toxic. It's like, no, it, it's also toxic. It's just much less so. And yeah, the conversation about this is really silly. And I just think the class thing is exactly right because I am sure Sarah Rao experiences racism with like online trolls and with like certain isolated instances in day-to-day -day life. But if you went to these educational institutions and had the opportunities and background that she has in America in 2020, it is hard to see how you are oppressed. And I know some people find that controversial, but it's just class really can undo a lot of stuff basically. Right. And she also benefits from her race in this case. I mean, this job that she's created for herself. Well, she is in this position because she's a woman of color. I mean, this idea that, you know, um, that people of color can only only be hurt by their by their their skin tone and not benefit from it. Just to me, it just like doesn't doesn't, you know, pan out to real life. Yeah. Last year, I wrote a really wrote last year. I read a really good book. Uh by a woman named Elizabeth Lash Quinn. I think it came out uh, 2001. It's called Race Experts, How Sensitivity Training, Interracial Etiquette, and New Age Therapy Hijacked the Civil Rights Revolution. This is a wonderful book for anyone who wants to understand this stuff because I think a lot of people think that uh, Cyro Rao or Robin D'Angelo maybe represent new phenomena and you know they'll blame it on whatever they're current political bugaboo is this stuff has been around forever like ever ever since the civil rights movement saw its first successes with these you know big mlk-ish universalist appeals we just need to treat everyone the same don't look at the color of people's skins there's been this sort of left-wing backlash to that that has sought a more radical therapeutic route where the whole goal is to sort of force white people into confrontations and force this sort of like almost like a, a forensic evaluation of white people's own souls. The idea being that if white people look inward enough, they will like eventually become less racist. Although it's never quite explained how that happens or, or how it benefits anyone. So I will, uh, yeah, I'll include a link to that book in the show notes too, but I highly recommend it. Oh, I, I think it was very generous of you to assume that white people have souls, Jesse. Thank you for that. <laughs> 
I, uh, I'm not, I don't think I have a soul. I, don't, I also don't think I have a gender identity. So yeah, I don't not. believe in the soul or the gender identity, so or free will. So if any, so if uh, if we get canceled for this podcast, um, it's not our fault. It's also just like okay, let let's just say hypothetically that I'm a bad person, uh, which I know is going to be hard. Yeah, hypothetically, <laughs> if I'm a bad person at at in my mid 30s, having racked up all sorts of activities and written a bunch of stuff. I just like to think that people will attribute my badness to something other than being white. Like, be more creative. You have so much to draw upon. Same with you. Like, if someone dislikes you, they there's so much other stuff than the color of your skin that's much more interesting to go with, right? Yeah, my fucking horrible personality. Um, yep, there's that. For one. Uh, you drink, you're drinking random pine needles totally. in the middle of the forest. Uh, yeah, plus I'm a drug abuser. There's also that. I smoke a ton of weed. I mean, there's many more explanations than, than the, my, the fact that I sunburn easily. Should we uh, should we close this out? Yeah, I think we've. Um, I don't want to be overconfident, but I think we've solved race relations. <laughs> I think we have. So uh, donate to Blocked and Reported twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> keep going. We will come to dinner and we will yell at you so viciously and personally. Send a photo first so that we can make fun of your physical features. Yeah, you know what? We'll do it for half discount. I'll do it. I will come. To, I will come to dinner at your house for only five hundred dollars. I'm going to undercut Katie. I'll do it for. I'll do it for four fifty, but I get to choose the menu. This has been Blocked and Reported. Email us at blockedandreportedpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're at the bar pod, T H E B A R P O D. Bar is blocked and reported. We are not a podcast about bars, although maybe we will uh, change formats. And then, um, yeah, we're on all the major platforms now. Definitely rate and review us on iTunes. We're keeping that part of the appeal to the end of the show so that only the true fans will hear that and give us great reviews. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, white people have skulls that are the wrong shape. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, if Jesse sneezes near you, it's not COVID, he's just Jewish. (laughs) 